0: You're listening to Traders Insight Radio by Interactive Brokers. Find more podcasts and daily market commentary at TradersInsight.News. Keep in mind that any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Welcome to our show. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to another podcast here at Interactive Brokers Radio. I'm Andrew Wilkinson, and here with me in the studio is our Chief Strategist, Steve Sosnick. Welcome to you, Steve. How are you?
2: I'm great, thanks, Andrew. How about yourself?
1: Doing all right, thank you. So as we kick off a new year, Steve, I know that you keep a close eye on what investment houses and economists predict will happen, and it's that time of the year when those projections are published. What are your thoughts on volatility as far as risk assets are concerned for 2022
2: well i mean that's a there's a lot to unpack first of all um for better or worse we do not do price targets here it's part of our um our, our firm wide um, reticence to do any recommendations and so you you won't get an absolute <laughs> price target out of me um So you know, that's just an unfortunate. That's not unfortunate. Just the way we do it. Um, When I look at what other analysts are saying, um, the the bias is definitely toward the upside. I think a lot of the strategists had been burnt over the last couple of years by the markets reacting far better um, than they were than they were leaning to. So now the average estimate continues to be sort of up about. Somewhere between five and ten percent is, I think, the low estimate on the street is forty-four hundred for S and P. We're at forty-six, forty-two, um, and um, you know, I just I, I find it difficult to believe that we will just sort of march on double digits higher um, when we don't have the when we don't have the the fiscal and monetary backdrop that we've been seeing over the past, you know, what is it, you know. Nineteen months or so twenty months or so since last March um, and that's I think going to be a big difference and I'm not sure that markets really fully appreciate that. I think they're they're sort of on autopilot having seen them go having seen markets go higher uh, with on relatively light volatility. I expect more
1: so uh, but how does your thinking align with Wall Street forecasters are, are you as enthusiastic as they are?
2: no um i'm not because i i can't see how we enter an environment where the fed will be um where where the fed has told us already and they've already started to reduce the amount of monetary accommodation that they're doing um and they pretty much telegraph that some sort of um some sort of tightening cycle is about to begin Um, that is vastly different than what we've been experiencing um, as a result, I think you've had very um, ebullient, if not frothy markets. Um, and you're, the reason I see more volatility coming is there will be times where the market just sort of hits some air pockets. I think it's become increasingly easy to buy the dip. I think the half lives of dips that are being bought have been shortening. And as a result, I think it's not unreasonable to expect um, that we're going to not necessarily not necessarily march higher in a straight line. We're going to be backing and filling at various points. Um, you know, it, it, it's rather unusual that we haven't seen a real correction um, in the S and P 500 um, in almost two years. You know, since March of 2020. Um, so what's at seven quarters? That's a long time, and um, I, I, I don't I don't think it's realistic to just assume that because it's worked this way. Um, under extraordinary circumstances, that it will continue to do so um, as the circumstances change and become less favorable.
1: You know, I've never seen a tightening cycle like this before. Um, It was pretty well telegraphed in the fourth quarter of 2021. And the market or investors pretty much priced something in. And you could almost take it from there that, that that's it, it's, it's done. And the Fed hasn't even started acting. So it's, it's, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever witnessed uh, following interest rates. So as, as you say, the stage has been set by the Federal Reserve for increasing rates, which means it's going to take a less accommodative stance. Can you talk about the risks to investors of a tightening cycle, Steve?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, we you know I, it's, it's interesting because I believe that, first of all, uh, call it about a third of the cu- the customers um a third of new accounts have joined the marketplace in the last um you know 21 months or so since since the fed began its cycle since stimulus began they haven't seen anything other than a federal Reserve that has its that has the accelerator pressed to the floor Be- go beyond that and you have a generation of investors who came into the markets sometime between you know, sometime after 2009, where essentially we've been in cycles, a a, a monetary easing cycle, or at least very easy monetary policy. There've been a couple of attempts where the feds tried to raise rates. There've been a couple of attempts um, where, um, you know, where they've they've tried, you know, even taper the bond purchases for a while that caused some problems. Markets don't like it. Markets like, more money that this is just you know it's it what we've kind of failed to realize is the as you create more money, you're typically creating inflation somewhere For the last 14 years or so well probably that's too many call it 12 years or so. we've created a tremendous amount of asset price inflation. Um, we have not seen a lot of real world inflation until this year. Part of the reason for that was, globalization was sort of a de- a deflationary factor so <clears throat> labor was getting cheaper um, shipping goods was getting cheaper sourcing was getting cheaper all these all these factors were mitigating real world prices but the mon- but the money that was being created created boosted asset prices which is why you've had you know with a few exceptions more or less an unin- uh, uh, uninterrupted bull run in 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 a wide range of asset prices what happens when the when monet, when money starts to get tighter is the cracks in the system start to show and in, you know i don't think we're going to get into like a real you know volcker uh, late 70s early 80s type of of monetary tightening i think that that's unreasonable to expect that but it's more of the variety of the warren buffett you don't know who's swimming without you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out and i think that's what we're that's the the environment that we're going to get into. Um, and that's why I think I see a bit more volatility on the horizon because it's more of a matter of, um, you know, where are, where are things mispriced? Where are things extended? Um, and then how do we, how do we work around that? And that's where you're going to get the, the hiccups, the air pockets. Um, remember also that Tightening cycles are—you know—the tightening cycle is pretty much what what put an end to the nineteen ninety-nine two thousand internet bubble. Mm-hmm. A tightening cycle is more or less what put an end to the um, mortgage craziness of two thousand seven two thousand eight. Um, what and th- and what happened was assets that were mispriced, that were that had some overenthusiastic prices, got repriced. Um, And to the extent that there's leverage surrounding them, um, it makes it that much worse, which was the case in 2007, 2008. But even in in the Internet era, the tide went out and so did a lot of the prices
1: that had gotten way ahead of themselves. And and there are interest rates and then there are bond yields. Would would you you say that the bond market is sending an accurate message about the U.S. economy at the moment?
2: I do not actually, and I think it's more again a factor of the amount of money sloshing around than anything else. We wrote about this recently, um, how you have two-year note yields sort of you know in the 60 to 65 basis point range depending on where we are at any given moment. <laughs> and um, on the flip side, the Fed is telling us that they're going to raise, they're going to do six 25 basis point hikes over the coming two-year period. Well, that's a percent and a half. Now, let's be the way it works is it doesn't mean you traded a percent and a half right now because um it 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 moves higher. So really the really the two if you want to think about this because this was literally the first thing I did in the financial markets was writing programs to separate out short-term interest rates. Mm-hmm. If you think about it as a three, what's the three month rate now? What's the three month rate in three months? What's the three month rate in six months? Etc. Etc. and you pile them all together. The decompounding so,
1: the yield curve, right?
2: Yeah. So effectively, we would be talking about the average, you know, it, it's not exactly arithmetic, but let's just say we would talk about the average of, of where interest rates would be over the two-year period. Um, and so you still come up with something greater than 0. 0.6. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as I look at where the dots are, you, you know, the, you're probably leaning more toward um, you're probably leaning more toward a rate that should be, you know, three quarters or even a full percent, something of that nature. And, um, you know, or if markets were really panicky, they would be closer to one and a half. Mm-hmm. But what's going on now is we have so much money sloshing around. I, I didn't look at today's numbers, but yesterday's number um, was, a, was a record high at reverse repo at the, at the New York Fed. Mm-hmm. And that broke the record from the day before and the day before. We're up, we were up about 1.7 trillion dollars with a T on overnight repos and the point of the overnight repos is that's so that's the way for the Fed to sort of sop up excess reserves and a way for the Fed to um essentially prevent interest rates from going negative and what they and what that's doing is basically all there's 1.7 trillion dollars showing up at the Fed every day they pay five basis points annualized so effectively nothing and th- this money has nothing better to do than to show up in the fed show up at the fed looking for these five basis points until you start to work through that and by the way it's it's probably likely to go up into the end of the year because these numbers tend to uh, reverse repo activity tends to peak at the um you know quarter end and especially year end as as banks try to you know mitigate their books a bit and so the, the fed being the 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 home of last resort for this kind of money um it's so you'll see spikes in there so it does it wouldn't surprise me in the least if we saw um this this continue to go up to almost two trillion until you start to work through that the money's going to look for home for a home and two-year notes are going to be one of those homes and and it's Mm -hmm. distorting the whole yield curve Mm -hmm. and i think it'll be interesting as the fed stops buying bonds at the back because that's distorting the yield curve too, knowing that there's a buyer still, they're still buying $90 billion a month, mm-hmm. you know, soon to be 60, you know, soon to be 60, soon to be 30. Um, but that's a lot of bonds. And this, these are big distortive effects. So, so even as the Fed is telling us that they're reducing accommodation, they're still being quite accommodative. We still have zero interest rates and we still have a Fed that's buying billions in bonds every month. Until you work through that, the, the yield curve is going to be distorted. The message of the bond market is going to be distorted, and as a result, equities, which which tend to look to the bond market for cues, for cues, are also going to be a bit distorted. I know it sounds that 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 sounds like a horribly vicious cycle, but that's that's kind of what you're. That's kind of what we're looking at.
1: Right. Would would the real market interest rate please step forward? So yes. So, so high tide, people start getting are, are already nervous about inflation getting into the economy, which is why the Fed's going to become less accommodative. So we traditionally hear at times like this about gold being the best hedge. But now there are many other cryptocurrencies to consider alongside gold. Is there, in that sense, a best hedge against inflation or is it neither crypto nor gold?
2: I think it's neither, unfortunately. Um, uh, gold, gold is funny. And we've written about this uh, previously. There there are times where gold acts like an inflation hedge. There are other times where gold acts like the anti-dollar, you know, sort of, It, you know, yeah. it has, it's a store. You can think of it as a store of value. And as the dollar appreciates um, it, you know, the, the price of the price of gold deteriorates and vice versa. Crypto. Um now if you want to talk about completely decorrelating assets, um from a US dollar holder point of view, I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think they both they both are um tied in with, with what's going on in the US dollar. Um I I asked the following thought question. Like would would crypto be where it is right now? Um would NFTs be what they are right now? If the fed had been if the if we weren't looking at negative real interest rates or or, or even you know zero interest rates if, if there was a risk-free rate of return that paid you something i pretty much would assure you that a lot of the um most speculative ass most speculative assets would be um le- would have appreciated a lot less than they did um and and that's something to be working through i don't think crypto. Is a great hedge for anything that, that that trades in dollars because it's too volatile. Mm. Um, you know the, the the average daily volatility is about four percent a day in Bitcoin and, and mm-hmm. higher in a lot of others yeah. cryptos. Um, what are you hedging? That is that volatile? Nothing other than other cryptos. You know to right. the extent that you trade one versus the other, hmm. it's not a it's not a hedge for anything real world. Um, when when you're talking about something with such high volatility, now if I lived in Turkey and i owned gold or i owned cryptocurrency i'd be i'd be breathing a lot easier uh this week than than i would have been uh now obviously the 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 lira you know the, what happened in the in the lira on um on monday in the US, on monday uh w- was staggering you know monday the, the 20th of december well, was unbelievable you know the 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 Um, the deterioration and then the turnaround on a dime that wiped out two weeks of of losses. Um, So the lira rapidly strengthened. But bottom line would be, if you live in a country that has to borrow or that does borrow in a currency other than its own, that has debts to pay in US dollars or euros or or something like that, um, yes, gold, crypto, whatever, is probably a pretty good hedge because you'' you're, you've got a you've got an asset that that trades in dollars elsewhere. Um, in terms of in terms of if you're a. US or another developed market investor, I don't think gold is a great hedge. I don't think crypto is a hedge of anything. <laughs> um, I think it's a more nuanced strategy. I think you want to find stocks in companies that have earnings power that can that you know that, that can grow earnings in, in inflationary times that can pass on those costs to customers. Um, I think you want to own, you know, then you start to look at other real assets, uh, but there's no one real asset, real estate, whether it's real estate or whether it's, um, you know, whether it's other commodities that, you know, that is an end all be all against inflation.
1: So let's throw the cat amongst the pigeons to finish with. Do Do you have an out of consensus call for 2022, Steve? Um,
2: I think I'm out of the consensus in not being in not being wildly bullish. Um, I think that's that's my that's my one situation. I think the other the other real out of consensus thing, or at least or at least big hiccup that I, I you know volatility creating event mm. um, is the 2022 elections in November are going to be interesting. Mm. I, I'm going to refrain from a political from an outright political um, viewpoint. First of all, I'm, I'm not paid to do that. And secondly, I think we're too far out to have a lot of clarity. But um, I I think this is, I think that's an event that can be a a real volatility inducer um, as we get closer to it. And as we see um, the potential for changing control in Congress or, um, you know, or any, uh, you know, or if a lot, or if some of the 2020 um, shenanigans start to return in 2022, I think that's, that's something to really keep an eye on. And that's that's what we call a known unknown. We all know that something's gonna we all know that there's an election in November of twenty twenty two. How it turns out, anybody's guess right now.
1: I, I can't remember the last down year for equity, Steve. Can you? Uh it's been a while. It's been a while. It's okay. Been a while.
2: And I, I, you know, I don't I don't know that I'm call, I don't know that I'm outright terribly bearish, but I think the idea I, I you know the problem is it's where you end the year but i think i think it at, at my my call would be at some point this year we're down previous we're, we're down on the year and it, whether or not we close there or not we'll see what happens
1: that's it for this episode from interactive brokers radio you can get steve sosnick's regular market commentary sent directly to your inbox at tradersinsight.news and don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you sign up for your podcasts And don't forget to check out that market commentary. Steve, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure as always. All right. We'll speak to you on the other side.
0: Thanks for listening to Traders Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. Trading in digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, is especially risky and is only for individuals with a high risk tolerance and the financial ability to sustain losses. Eligibility to trade in digital asset products may vary based on jurisdiction. Features are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at IBKR.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary seek professional advice.